Welcome back to the Tribute Game Podcast. Tribute Games is a uh, independent game studio in Montreal, and we do uh, retro-tinged games. Woo! Yeah! That was the best intro. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I psyched myself up before doing it. Like, <laughs> I, I had a, a bit of a psych out mix. What's your psych up music? Do you have a song? Right now, there's two songs. Uh, it's uh, Super Chunks, uh, White Screen. Indochine's L'Aventurier, which is a song oh. about Bob Moran, which is pretty good. It's pretty <laughs> gas. Uh, so yeah, I have a Psychot Mix, and my name is Yannick Belzil. I'm the social media person at Review Games, and I'm also a writer. Uh, at my left, there's... Uh, Dom, Dom 2D, uh, I'm a game designer here. And in front of me, there is... Justin Sear, coming at you. Woo! Yeah, what do you do, Justin? Uh, animation, game design, and... Looking good. Yes, for sure. <laughs> At your left, there's Stefan. Stefan, who is a person. Yeah. I'm a nice person. Yes. Uh, I'm watching Downton Abbey right now, so. <laughs> okay, so you. I'm a nice person. Mr. Bates. <laughs> he's an artist. And, and to, he's an artist. And to my right, we have. I'm Carl Kirschel. I'm a comic book artist. Dig it. Dig it. Yeah, well, we're trying to bring in the energy today. Goal of the podcast is just like pretty much recording the conversations that we have about the, the industry and working in video games and stuff like that. So here you are at the table with us. Uh, gonna start with a couple of subject, a, to- a couple of topics, uh, this week. And the first one we're gonna start, it was PAX mm. Prime this weekend. And, uh, Dom, you were there at PAX. So can you tell us, it was your first PAX. So how was your PAX experience? It was a lot of, um, Street passing mm-hmm. on the 3DS. Yeah. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else. Uh, it was all a blur. Yeah. Are you sick? Sorry? Did you get a cold? Uh, uh, not too bad. No. My Pax Plague. <clears throat> Pax Plague. No, it's, it's, well, I hope not. It's mostly my voice is kind of broken because I've been speaking for four days explaining the game that I was showing. Too there. much partying. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of that. But uh, don't worry. If you had the Pax Plague, you would know because uh, uh, when Tribute Games went to Pax last spring, I was the one in the group that got the Pax <laughs> Plague. And uh, you immediately know because you're at your booth and you're minding your business. You're showing the game to uh, a person and suddenly it hits you. You feel sicklish. You start thinking about how everyone has a smartphone in here and someone could film you vomiting at your own booth. <laughs> and that's what the I'm sure of, it's happened. Yeah, well, I was really afraid of... Because we were all wearing Mercenary Kings t-shirt, which were we were the only people. So someone could film me vomiting and go, wow, look, he played his own game or something like that. <laughs> so, I was afraid of it. But uh, why were you at PAX Dominic? Oh, I was showing a game I'm making in my uh, spare time called Close Castles. I'm making it with a dude called Asher Vollmer, who's the designer behind Threes and Puzzle Juice, uh, both iOS games that I've had some success, and now he's trying something a little bit different by doing a console game. And uh, it was super fun to show. Like, it's a... It's kind of a simple RTS kind of thing on a on a grid. We had a little tutorial in there that taught the players how to play it. So we didn't have much work to do except just welcome people in and have fun talking to people. So that was pretty much the bulk of your of your pack experience, like just ushering people in and play uh, and show them how to play the game and encouraging them and talking to reporters and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess I didn't have the the real PAX experience, like the waiting in line to play <laughs> games that are coming out in two months. Um, but I did see a lot of people do, doing that for, I don't know, Bloodborne or Smash Bros. or stuff like that. Was this your first PAX? Yeah, it was my first PAX. Uh, I, think, I think I had a really good experience because we were well organized. Like, we, we were maybe five people manning the booth, so we could take the time to breed and, like, take it in and... 
be chill about it. But some people next to us were like two people to man a, a booth with two screens and two games, and it was they seemed to have lost it after two days. Sorry, I thought you said we had time to breed. Breed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that doesn't make that one. Yeah. Um, no, I... Uh, what what's required of you in terms of getting to pass? Is it hard? I mean, do you have to? Is there a long waiting list? Is it are the tables expensive? Do they do they curate it or is it just? So I, I guess we got lucky. We got in the indie mega boot, which is a kind of a large part of the main floor dedicated to uh, indie games. But it had a selection process that I, I don't know what it was, but uh, someone at PAX is running the indie game mega boot, or, is, or is yeah. it like? I know at different comic shows, like in San Diego or whatever, you can have, there could be a big chunk of, uh, or like several tables full of sort of like-minded people or small mm -hmm. publishers, and usually San Diego will rent you all that space, but usually someone, some publisher is kind of controlling it. So I don't know if PAX was running that whole area, or if maybe it was like um, a certain indie publisher who was kind of like vetting it or inviting friends in to join them. I think it's a, it's a, it's an, an organization who does that. Uh, I don't remember who started it, but I think it was uh, Robin Honeke. Uh She used to work at that game company, mm -hmm. if I'm correct, but I'm not sure about what I'm saying. And uh, it grew really big. Like It got super popular because it gave uh, games a lot of visibility. Because otherwise, you have to pay for a, a, a space on the floor and you have to take care of everything yourself. But we were... Uh, very well taken care of. There, there probably were some fees that I don't know about because uh, Asher was paying everything with his billion dollars that he made on his it's mobile games. Money. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was it was it was pretty sweet. And the people getting there are not confused because upstairs in in on another floor there were more indie games, but split between like uh, t-shirt shops and uh, figurine companies and board game companies. It was kind of more confusing. But Indie Mega Boot was focused on indie games and good indie games too. That must be getting more popular with every show. Yeah, for sure. It's getting bigger. I'm kind of hoping that they do their own thing. Like outside of PAX. Like it's yeah, it's, it's cool that it's part of PAX because you get the the people that are there for other stuff to kind of go in Indie Mega Boot and realize that there's more than just... Evolve and Far Cry 4 and those kind of games. Uh, so, I don't know. It would be cool to have uh, indie pa indie packs in some way. Mm -hmm. Didn't packs kind of start out that way? Or was it always large publishers? I think it was actually like, well, it was Penny Arcade that started it. It was and a they, fan expo though, right? Yeah, because there was like a year where like E3 wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. Like they kind of called it off. And so they just kind of organized their own event in the absence of a, a real E3 and then they really kind of took over. Like, there still is an E3. There's both events now, but E3 is more of like a trade show, whereas PAX is more of like indie friendly and yeah, uh, yeah. open to the public. I know that PAX is sort of turning into another trade show. That's what it feels like. Yeah, but it's until it's still, uh, until they like bar it from the public, then it'll probably, you know, still be a fan favorite because that's yeah. like the big difference. You had to be part of the industry. And like, we used to go to E3s and stuff, but like, People that like worked at like GameStop got treated like royalty. You'd queue up for two hours and then mm -hmm. they'd close down the booth and say, sorry, you know, we have to let these people yeah. in. So I guess the other difference with E3 is I didn't see that much media at PAX. Like there's a little bit of media, but it's not E3 is about showing the new games and the new demos and all that. PAX, there's a little bit of that, but it's mostly just public facing, hmm. which is, I think, a good thing in a way because. We got to speak with the the players that were interested in our kind of game. Right. 
Who's the coolest person you met at PAX? <laughs> you know. You asked me already. Yeah, I know, but they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, so we we got Tim Schafer to play our game, which nice. was kind of uh, epic in my mind. Um, he was pretty bad at it, <laughs> <laughs> but he, I guess he seemed to enjoy it, so that, that was a good thing. Uh, for those who don't know, Tim Schafer is uh, one of the designers at LucasArts previously. Now, uh, he started Double Fine a few years ago. How is it to finally see, like, uh, well, I guess, did you show the game previously, like, to other players before that? Or was it the first time that you saw, like, so many people, like, try it and yeah. you, we assume, enjoy it? Uh, I believe Asher's showed the game at E3, but in a smaller way. And it didn't have my art in it. Like, it was all placeholder stuff, which looked kind of great. But we worked really hard for, like, the past month or two in my spare time doing uh making sure that the game was accessible and kind of attractive so it, it had like little, little cute bears fighting little birds and cute little castles and so we got the response we were expecting or, or we were hoping for which was that anybody could come in and be interested instead of most strategy games are like starcraft it's like it's bros and dudes that are like yeah we're gonna kill some aliens and stuff but Ours were like, oh, they're really cute. Oh, they're fighting. Let's kill them. And everybody wants to try it. Yeah, there's not like a, a sort of a aggressive-looking fence no. in the, around your game. Yeah, exactly. It's it, even if they're technically fighting, it, it's it's pretty uh, inoffensive. So you're conditioning people to fighting. Yes. Under the guise of yes. cute teddy bears and cuteness. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know the 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 gaming industry. Like the past couple of weeks have been a little bit dark. So, and I don't really want to get into that, but PAX was really good because we, I was really afraid actually to go with PAX at this time where people are kind of freaking out about with, games. Like heightened tensions and. Yes, exactly. But we didn't feel that that much. Like there were a few incidents not directed at us, but, uh, at the booth, everybody was super positive. The game was like technically not violent and not sexist and not racist. So it was a good. Uh, Which is a, a departure from what you like. You like <laughs> really racist caricature and stuff. Like. Yeah, I really had to change my style for that. No, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. It's, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's part of what I what I do and what I try to strive for. Well, I'm glad you had a great time at back. Yeah, it was great. Cool. Yeah, it's good to have you back. I'll just yes. go, I'll just go pass out in the corner now. Um, uh, we should move on to something else. Uh, to, to the development corner. All right. Which is uh, not a corner because you are across from me on the table. So, uh, Justin, you are working on a game <laughs> yes. called Curses and Chaos. Indeed. You have co-created it. Yes. And you're working on it like uh, every every week Like now. a madman. Yes. So, uh, he's the only one working. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No, actually, it's going really well. Like, uh, the only one not working. Actually. <laughs> oh, shit. Pick up the slack, man. Uh, no, it's going really good. Like, I think now we can officially say we're like in full swing production. Like, there's no more pre production and we're just creating content. Well, what's the, if I may ask, what's, what's the line between pre production and full production on a game? I think it's like when you've got like your feature complete, like when you're not adding new th uh, things that you have to test out and it's just like basically making your levels. Like, when that's sort of, like, the bulk of what you have to do, that's when you sort of cross over. Like, okay, with with stages of game development, you usually have, like, a pitch. And then after that, you do, like, a, what they call, like, a vertical slice or maybe an alpha. That's when you have just, like, the basic features of what you want. And you it, it's just to show, like, a first level, everything that you do in, like, a, a game loop. 
And then once that gets a green light, then you go into production. That's kind of basically where we're at now. Mm. So it's, uh, yeah. So we're, the other thing about production is like a lot of times it's just shifting bottlenecks. Like for a while it was like, uh, John, who's, uh, uh programming everything in the game, he, uh, had like, I had, given him a bunch of animations and he had to integrate them in code and then he just got them all done in a week <laughs> so for a while he was the bottleneck where it's like i can't advance until i've got all these enemies and then in a week like just in a flurry of work but bam he got them all done so now i'm the bottleneck so i have to take all these uh enemies and make levels out of them mm -hmm. so that's what happens a lot of times in production it's never like one person you know or it's not like a steady flow it's like one person has to do a lot of work and then pass it on to the next person so i'm officially now the bottleneck of uh of production what are you working on now then level creation like it's basically just making like all the waves of enemies and things so yeah because the game happens in the single screen and you have all of these enemies coming at you so you have to i guess figure out pattern variation and stuff like that exactly that's it because like it's it's a, a very sort of um a performance driven game like you, uh, you have to make it so that you can chain like from beginning to end if you if you're that good you can chain a whole level without taking a hit but it takes very careful enemy placement to do it but in the end we want to have like rewards for encouraging people to play really well so it's a very tedious process like you have to basically place enemies like maybe two or three at a time play play and then realize okay that's good oh no they're too far apart there's too much of a delay or no this doesn't work out and then go back and test it's a very tedious and long process it's not unlike drawing or any other craft it's like you there's no shortcut to it you just have to work 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 really hard at it are those waves dynamic or are they kind of the same it's going to be static but we've we've it's it's the thing that comes up enough times where people are like yeah maybe we should have like a, a mode where things are just going to be sort of randomly so that is an extra mode that we're going to have at the end but so you could i mean if you You could just sort of memorize the level. Yeah, but I mean, even like a level, like I haven't played from like a week ago, I come back to it and like I'm lost. Mm. Like it's because it, it's very, very intense too. Like it's it's a very quick paced game. So yeah, that's the point is you want to kind of have people memorize things and perfect it. Like I'm hoping that's kind of the, the charm of it, but it is really tough. So that's where all the careful enemy placement comes into. There is still enough randomness with the, the weapon pickups. That's right. And all the special moves you can do and stuff so yeah that's kind of the neat thing is that even though it's very static like you say just the small variants can you know set you on a different course altogether and that's i think where i'm hoping is going to be a lot of the fun of the game too is in like totally mastering it because mm -hmm. it's going to be a very short game but <coughs> being so short and intense i'm hoping people are going to want to play it over and over again and yeah. try and perfect it i didn't mean to say that the static element was The negative. Thing. Oh no! I'm yeah. just interested in in the idea of from a design standpoint, like that's a choice. Yeah. you make like okay, this is we're going to approach it absolutely this way. But again, we 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 hear it enough where it's like, yeah, then we could probably see if we can do it where we can have like dynamic enemy placement too. So there is going to be this like extra mode where there's going to be something very cool to collect at the end, and it's just basically like an endless mode where it's like survive <laughs> basically pure chaos and see how long you can survive because right now the waves last at most 10 minutes but uh we're going to see if we can have one like how long can we how long can we have people last maybe an hour i don't know the background just slowly morphs into a lovecraftian abstract hell um <laughs> that's exactly what's happening in that level so that's really cool that you kind of for whatever reason clued into that but yeah that's exactly what's happening in that in that mode so uh, we're very excited to see it and hellish vision 
with the big uh, look, just losing your mind as yeah, you, big blue thing. Yeah, uh, strolling down in the back all uh, during the whole level. Yeah, and it, then, it looks pretty awesome, but pretty gross as well. Like yeah. so many eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening too. Like uh, uh, Yannick is working on the story; he's doing a bang up job uh, right That's now. That's right. Steph's working on the intro again, just aces. And so it's fun. It's like, that's what really makes it fun coming into work is like seeing all this progress and, and things. And even despite being in a very sort of like small enclosed area, we still have like these cubicles. So we don't see like, maybe there's like a whole day or two days that go by where you don't see. And then you just peek over and like, wow, that's all this cool stuff's happening. So it's fun. <laughs> So is is it uh, all done for Dev Corner, Justin? I think so. Yeah. Yes. There's not anything else. <laughs> Talked we, up a storm. We could do a Dev Corner for my project a little bit. Might as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, you're so, also you're also like working on a pitch right now for uh, for a new game, like for a concurring project along with Versus uh, and Chaos. Yeah, um, I'm working with Jeff, uh, our programmer here, and uh, so we're prototyping two ideas right now, mm -hmm. just to see uh, which one which one we really feel inspired by and, and all that. So it's just, right now Jeff is working on a little thing in, in 3D, which is interesting for a tribute. And I'm working on a platformer that I, I, I don't want to divulge details yet, but it's fun just prototyping little mechanics that are, I'm trying to go with something fast and dynamic. So. Yeah, the only thing we can say about it, it's a platformer where the main character uses a tool and that would dictate the action and I imagine puzzles in the, in the level and stuff like that. That's big that's, enough, that's yes. That's just the definition <laughs> of a platformer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mario doesn't use, uh, he just punch bricks. He does, well, he throws fireballs, but he doesn't use a separate tool. He had a hammer I mean. initially. That's that's true, yes, yes. When, back when it was jumped. Mm, yeah. Yes. So, uh, how does that work, the prototyping and all of that? Like, uh, do you, how do you go through that? So, wait, wait, before you go into prototyping, okay. I was curious as to when, did you decide I want to make a platformer or did, did something else spark the idea and you, and you thought, oh, a platformer is the way to, this is, this is the medium for this idea? Yeah, so uh, since it's my first project here, and uh, we currently are also working on curses. Anyway, uh, yeah, so platformers seemed like uh, a good thing for now since I'm just starting here and I'm getting to know the people, so we can build on Mercenary Kings. Uh, start with the engine and just figure out how to create a, an interesting new mechanic on top of the current engine and uh, maybe fix a couple things that were a little, for me, too slow in Mercenary Kings, which was fine for that game, but I'm trying to do something a little bit faster and more uh, intense and probably do something roguelike-ish kind of thing in there. That's fun, too, because like we can see we're going to finish, we're going to hope to finish uh, Curses uh, before the year's end, and project number four is in that first phase where we're still like prototyping it, so it's, n it's nice to see the next step ahead and then when yeah there will always be another thing to work on and yeah. one thing ends yeah. right that's a good good news for dev corner yes yes <laughs> so I, I have high hopes for dev corner i hope it keeps keeps being fed and grows but uh, uh for the prototyping like how does that work for you like what do you do exactly is it i know you do pitch documents so you 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 write up those and then you talk about them with uh, Jeff or like how, how does the magic happen then? So, so in this case, the document was just the smallest thing that I could come up with just so we have a, a direction, but we're basically just trying what feels right. Like trying to figure out what mechanic is really fun. 
and uh, making levels using as much as I can from Mercenary Kings, and he's trying to add just a little feature here and there to see what what's fun. Uh, like we're playing around, for example, with a teleport mechanic, and that's that's fun by itself. But we need to figure out how um, if, if we can create enough interesting levels for that, and if it if the enemies will be interesting enough, also. Do you, do you have to see it in a, like graphically and in some rudimentary form to know whether or not it's fun? Is that does, does the prototyping get to that stage? That, that's the, the the advantage of working from Mercenary Kings is like in a day we already had a prototype working. Oh, okay. uh, if not, like for example, for the second idea, uh, GF starts from scratch, so it's a lot more work to get to a point where it's uh, it feels good and feels like we could work on it and create a game out of it. So either way works, but of course, but that platform was really easier. changes things. Yeah. Uh, Being able to actually play well, it. And manipulate it, so yeah, you exactly. know whether or not it's fun or boring. Or yeah, like like the teleport mechanic was kind of a, a mistake, like it was kind of a, a, fun, a fun accident, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but we kind of stuck on it and tried to make it better. So it, it all happened because of the prototype. We didn't plan that at all. And that's the kind of thing I'm hoping for to figure out... Uh, what else we can find just by playing around with enemies and levels. That's really exciting. I've been listening to all these, um, listening and watching while I'm drawing, all these uh, video kind of dev journals with, uh, is it Tom Francis? I think Tom, the guy who made Gunpoint. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're so good because he's just, like, he's, he's talking you through this stuff mm -hmm. as he's working on it. He's one guy working on it. So he just talks through all these problems and, and with the, sometimes there are problems with the um, conceptual problems, sometimes there are mechanic problems, but often um, just as you described, it's, you know, he, he happens upon things by accident and it's, uh, and it's, it's a lot of it is, you know, just kind of rethinking everything you set out to do because mm -hmm. <clears throat> because you have to um, because the thing just wasn't fun or, or, the, or the objective you initially had in mind doesn't really work for the part of the, the core part of the game that's actually worth a damn. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's why it's fun to uh, finally work with JF on that because we we have a good back and forth of hey this is kind of fun or he he has an idea for a, a weapon that had that is super dynamic and he just tries it out and that's fine that's cool and we're always interested in the next thing that we can find. Yeah, it's always uh, really gratifying when uh, when the, the puzzle pieces come together and actually create a nice uh, a nice image like for the opening of Curses and Chaos uh, which is will will be animated a bit like Mercenary Kings I initially like wrote something and then I give it to uh, Stefan and then Stefan comes up like with better visual ideas to communicate the same thing so yeah. I'm like I get real thrilled about it because like oh this is much better and it makes me look smart. It's it's almost like <laughs> I came up with it, so I, I like it even more. It's even greater that way. Oh, that's good. But um, the uh, videos you just mentioned, uh, where can you find those? On um, the they're all on YouTube. Well, if you go to um, he has his own website, but there's also a Gunpoint. It's probably like GunpointGame.com, Gunpoint.com, and all of the like. One of the interesting things I thought was. Well, all the videos are still available, but but he um, he was just a journalist yeah. who decided he was going to make a game. He was um, a PC gamer, right? <clears throat> yeah, he was a PC gamer journalist, and he uh, he just started making Gunpoint. He might have started and finished Gunpoint using Game Maker, mm -hmm. and uh, and so he initially he he put together um, like a quick pro. I don't know how quick it was, but a simple kind of very very rough prototype of what he wanted to make, and he he just did like. Like a ten-minute trailer of it. It wasn't really a trailer. It was just him walking through it, describing what the game was. And through doing that, um, 
he got artists who wanted to help and because he's not an artist so yeah need someone to come in and do art and backgrounds and animations and all that stuff but it was just really cool to me to um to see one guy doing this and to see that he just kind of he just kind of threw all these ideas of of how you're supposed to develop a video game out the window. It's like, here's this thing, and this is what it's going to be if someone wants to help me then. Yeah. And that video is still up, along with, he's done the same thing for his new games that he's working on now. And just like this, like blocky shapes on the screen, he's describing what they kind of are. You sure. can see the nugget of why that game is going to be fun. Yeah, like you can prototype a game with just like boxes and like circles. Like you don't really have to have anything to... Or rhombuses. Well, not really. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're so inclined, I mean, do whatever you want, but nah. Um, no, that went nowhere. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Cul de sac. Uh, what, what I was, uh, the, the thing I'm most excited about with, uh, with uh, the prototype that Dom's working on is to see when he's going to actually add, like, his own assets to it, oh, like yeah. his own drawing style. Because right now the the assets are all from Mercenary Kings, and these guys are pretty tired of seeing those yeah. <laughs> assets everywhere. Yeah, because it's cool. Because it definitely has it's like a it's like a huge departure from it, just with like the new attacking mechanics and the teleporting and stuff. But it's still he built he built some levels from from the background tiles, and it gave me nightmares. <laughs> yeah, I, especially that I'm wrong. I'm kind of doing it like half-assed. Like I'm just putting blocks everywhere, and but just shifting. I mean, just just. Shifting the aesthetic of that thing mm -hmm. visually is going to have a, a huge, like, profound yeah. effect on oh, yeah. how you how you experience that. Like the, of one of the first things that we did was uh, change the the not change the resolution, but like kind of everything is half the as, scale, of half as big as it was in Mercenary Kings. Yeah, so uh, that changed the whole thing completely. Like it. it, it Everything is way smaller. You can see more of the levels. Suddenly, you have more uh, Mega Man esque proportions, where the levels are so much bigger than Mega Man uh, on, on the NES. As opposed to Mercenary Kings, things are more cramped. Like yeah. the characters feel more massive in their worlds. So uh, yeah, very much looking forward to seeing uh, the, the art that you'll provide for it and uh, yeah, see too. how that game develops. Doesn't have a name yet either. No, that's also it's, it's it's all brewing. It's yeah. so exciting. And I think it's dangerous to add a name to a project as early as this. Like I have, I have a few ideas of character and and uh, names and settings and everything, but I don't want to set anything in stone yet because we're more focused on the mechanics instead. Uh, and I'm sure with the crazy minds that that work at Tribute, we won't have any pro trouble finding the right setting, the right character, and, and the right name. Yeah, it's usually the opposite. It's usually having to tr try and contain all the creativity. Yeah. That's the harder part. It's like no one's ever at a loss for ideas. It's uh, If we get the license for it, I would like it to be a game named Ba with a Ba based on the Kid Rock song. We could do that, or we could do a Zardos game. Now this <laughs> Zardoz <laughs> game, this is talking to we'll, me. We'll talk more about Zardoz yes, next week. Talk, yes, yes. Like, well, next week, it's going to be an all Zardoz episode. Why wasn't it? Why aren't there already like ten Zardoz games in I know, existence? Right? Check it out, John. You can count Bo me out of this. I'll send Andy Belanger down. <laughs> Was it John? John Borman, after Deliverance, made a crazy <laughs> science fiction movie in the seventies called uh, Zardoz. It has uh, you've seen a picture online of Sean Connery in a big red diaper. It, it's amazing. Watch it. Praise the gun. Yeah, praise the gun. <laughs> okay, uh, let's move on to a uh, more freeform discussion now. Let's get out of that corner. <laughs> that was more freeform. freeform. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm derailing this thing left and right. That's I, I apologize. It's okay. We're just having a discussion. It's great times. That's good. <laughs> uh, I, 
I wanted to put uh, another topic on the table, which is like to uh, again continue and be more general, which is a, a suggestion from Justin, actually, I thought was really good, and this suggestion made him co-producer of the show. <laughs> I gave him higher credits now. God damn it. Yeah. If you, guys, if you want <laughs> co-producer credits on this podcast, you need to come up with topics. But uh, he suggested, and I think, like, what are your favorite music from your favorite uh, music from video games? How important is it to you? Is there do you have like highlights of music and how they bring something to gameplay or stuff like that? Like, what is what are your favorite songs from uh, games? Sure. Well, I don't know. I'll get the ball rolling. Uh, I think for me, it's always been like Castlevania. That's a recurring theme for me. I love that series. But I think it was fun because they used a lot of the same themes throughout the course of that game's history. So as as you'd play like sequels, you'd hear old tunes remixed in a more modern fashion. Mm-hmm. So when you got to stuff like Symphony of the Night, you're hearing like full rock and roll metal guitar versions of like 8-bit tunes and things so and it, it tickles your nostalgia but uh, something you're like oh i'm playing castlevania yes so good and it's, it's yeah it makes you want to shove people aside as you get to your controller and you're like i'm playing this yeah yeah no it's and and the and the the, the themes themselves are like really well constructed too like i don't know much about music but i don't think you have to know a lot about music to appreciate it, so it's just it it strikes a chord with me. But that, that that's the thing I've been trying to do in the past, like maybe five years, is listen to more video game music to kind of know the the genres, like the subgenres in video game music. Because I feel like I, I, before I was listening to like I don't know Britpop and rock and stuff like that, but it kind of does not apply to video games that much. Hmm. So I've been trying to kind of build the knowledge of video game music. And it's been interesting, to say the least. Like, um, I'm way into the uh, orchestral kind of stuff, like like the Final Fantasies and the Chrono Triggers. There's also the 8-bit chiptune kind of thing, which is... Yeah, the other end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum, totally. But it's it's all good, and it's all fun. We went to... There was one year at E3 where they were playing, like, a, an orchestra presentation of, like, the music of Final Fantasy. Nice. And I don't know, like... I, I played probably up till 6, but everything after PlayStation's kind of lost on me. Mm-hmm. But there's still some themes, like, from 7 that... What's it? Like, One-Winged Angel? Yeah. yeah Sephiroth's theme? Tina's theme from Six is one of my favorites. Yeah, mm-hmm. I listen. I have a lot of Final Fantasy soundtracks. I've listened to them all the time. Um, and uh, when because uh, they they saved one winged angel for the end, like yeah. they kind of like teased it, like they weren't gonna play it, like everyone kind of left, and then they came back for an <laughs> encore and played it, and uh, like everyone just lost their shit. Nice at a con- at a, like an at a orchestra style concert. It was kind of weird <laughs> to see people going so <laughs> wow. berserk. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the, that's. That's a, a series that has like amazing tunes in it too. Do you listen to any game music, Carl? Yeah, a lot. Well, it's, it's actually Justin kind of like kind of stole my both of my picks. I mean, I I I've played a lot of games, and I find that um, I'm not not really listening to the music kind of consciously. Um, after many many years, that stuff is still yeah in my head. Like I recognize it really really quickly, and I still like when I'm when I'm humming to myself. It's more often than not some kind of game music. Yeah, the Final Fantasy stuff was a huge hit with me. Um, Castlevania, particularly Castlevania Two. Mm. Um, then I don't know what else. All the like a lot of the Zelda music, the early Zelda music. Yeah, yeah. I I see really music as pretty much as movie soundtracking where where, where it creates emotion and something like uh, when you just uh, start uh, the original Zelda on the NES, that version of the theme is like half 
of how you feel about that universe because mm -hmm. it's sort of sad yet uh, there's a drive to it and then there's the actual team that starts where there's like the, the Zelda overworld team is the best it's probably one of the best like let's go have an adventure team mm -hmm. which for me is what I need out of the great video game music which I guess a lot of old games really had is you're playing this you're going on an, on an adventure and That team is perfect for that for me. There's that and the, the Moon theme from DuckTales mm. are oh, yeah. both like 100% awesomeness of... I was like, let's have an, a hopeful, optimistic adventure and I it might as well be magic. <laughs> the universe, the, the, what it does to my brain and I, I get a smile on my face. I'm like, yeah, we're going to go on the moon and find Gizmo Duck. It's going to be great. So many good little ambient moon noises and the yeah. track and as long as we're just picking things randomly like one, another one that always pops into my head is the Mario 2 mm -hmm. song yeah. just because it's so different from all the other Mario stuff yeah, it's really, I really the, the thing I like the most about Mario 2 is when you po pause the, yep. the game and then you only get the like the bass and drum tracks yeah I think it's really it's really wonderful I, I wish we could do that on everything we make in Never happened yet. That game is such a, it's kind of like, it's kind of unsung. I mean, it's such a wonderful small package, you know. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's just this sort of beautiful. Do you guys remember the last song, like the song that plays when, in, on, when the credits roll? Like when you're yeah, sleeping? I, I, I would know it if I heard it. I can't Yeah. So that's, that's, that song was the theme song for, Doki Doki Panic, the, mm -hmm. the original Mario Brothers 2 game. That song is like super sad and super yeah. chill. Melancholy. Yeah. Yeah. You, you gotta play this at the end of the podcast. Yeah, I will, I will play it as we speak right now, so you're hearing it. Or maybe not. Maybe you'll hear it at the end. But <laughs> I'll see how it works with the, with the editing, but I'll, I'll try to play it. Yeah, to put it in. I once, uh, I once uh, recorded that loop of music and it, it played on a computer at my house for almost a month. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just the end credits music? Yeah. Because that's just, the one of the best songs. I, don't know, it was a, uh, I just thought of another one, uh, Blaster Master. I don't know. I, I might know it if I heard it. That, oh, it's just, it, it's got a really like weird story. Like kid chases his pet frog that escapes from its bowl and he lands on like a pile of radiation. He falls the frog down a hole and discovers a tank. And like that's the intro to that game. It makes we know, we know Blaster Master, but not the, I don't remember the music. But um, but the opening shot's just like a back shot of the tank revving up, and there's this like really awesome, like Yannick pointed out, like let's go on an adventure, let's do this kind of theme, and it's such an like it really just sets the mood for the rest of the game. Uh, that whole music, actually, everything Sunsoft did for the NES era, Journey to Silius, Journey to Silius, yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, the best intro music ever. Yeah, uh, also the entire act raiser score is in my head all the time. Yeah, Yuzo Koshiro, so good. Uh, I'm I'm all about the Mega Man 2 password music. Yeah. It's my favorite track of all time. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, ones, the castle songs, like the Doctor Wily's. Uh, that was pretty good. But the password song, the password song. Yeah. Well, you got to sing it. Well, we'll we'll put it there, <laughs> but I'm gonna let them listen to it. Sure. Like the I think the second. Dr. Wily stage. Yeah, all the Dr. Wily stages music are really rocking. It's, it stressed me out. Like, oh, as soon as you got to the, yeah. the map to Wily's tower castle, yeah. that shit stressed me out. Like, it's, like, that map 
Just looking at that map. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or how about this? Uh, that last leg of like the Dr. Wily castle where they throw the surprise, like, ha ha, one more path. Yeah, uh-huh. No music. That <laughs> made it even creepier. Because yeah. you're, and it's, the level's like only like, two minutes or like one minute long and it's just dripping acid to no music and you're like it's super creepy it is it's if you just think about Mega Man 2 how all of the music is awesome and driving in it and it's almost a, an embarrassment of riches musical <laughs> music wise like if you if they only had one music just the opening theme or just the uh, the introducing the robot master or just bit, the password theme or just the password theme <laughs> it would be uh, you'd be like oh man i remember that great music from mega man 2 but every single uh, I, uh, every single level and robot masters has a great song i remember like at a party years ago at gameloft we had a party at the oldest in Uh, in Montreal hotel in in Montreal, and uh, it's all filled with rocks. And there was a a piano in the uh, in some sort of lobby, and we had like a, a a programmer, but also a music guy from Gameloft who knew all of these songs by heart, and he would play them on the piano. Yes. And you you hear like a, a lovely version of Crash Man level or Metal Man level yeah. as you come up the stairs welcoming you to the party. Yeah, that was another party that was crazy because everyone just kept throwing requests at him and he would just play in a fury like uh, Great Balls of Fire style. He was like standing up and playing the piano. It's just like, yeah, Castlevania, yeah, turn into Silius. And he was like, he knew every tune. The guy was a genius. Wherever you are, uh, genius, we salute you. Yeah. We, we seem to salute someone in every episode. So I far. think we are a very respectful podcast, yes. and therefore we, we salute you. people. Oh. Oh. Very well, very well. All right, just take a break to listen to this. Okay. Oh. Right. Damn. Mm. Isn't that the best? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, a really great. good one. <laughs> Um, oh, the, the Zelda 2 game, music-wise, is really, really impressive. There's, like, four or so in the whole game, and they're all, like, 20, 30 seconds loop. Yeah. And, and you game. never, ever, ever get bored of them. They're always, like, oh, yeah! Yes. yeah I'm gonna beat that dungeon! The, the crazier part about that game is they actually saved a track for just the last... Like, you spend hours... You know, going through that game, and then the last palace, they have like a, a special track just for it, and yeah, you're like, mind blowing. Okay, <laughs> shit just got real. <laughs> I need to hear that Mario 2 credits thing now. Does it have it No. But my alarm is set to the, uh, like, this is like before you fight a boss in Blaster Master. Can we this go? is not going to be part of podcast. And after that, it just breaks into this like crazy rock melody. Super intense. All the boss music from Sunsoft was great. It's not really a Nintendo game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> What is an ad? Jeez, I guess a lot of people search for this. Yeah, yeah. Where they're carrying Wart off. Yes. But that's not the, the end. Wait, wait for it. It's coming. It's two minutes long. So when we get to that. And then they It's all coming back to me now. beat the hell up out of Wart. Yeah, the people are fi- fighting yes. back against the king. <laughs> yeah. They're overthrown the, the gross... I really uh, they, bring, they bring him back. Wart? Yeah. Hell yeah. That'd be great. He actually made so a cameo. be able to put that on podcast. In uh, yeah. Yeah, Zelda. <laughs> ah. That for a month. Yeah. <laughs> in my apartment. We should wow. discuss it after so we can put it in and then... 
Guys, I'm having fun, but maybe we should end the podcast right now. <laughs> Good night. Good night, guys. It was all a dream. Yeah. I love that game. I'm yes. play it again. So good. I know what I'm playing tonight. <laughs> I think I'm going to stream it tonight. Justin, you have to leave, so uh, we'll close the, uh, the podcast uh, right now, I believe. Alright, thanks everybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you can speak in front of Mike. Justin, you're leaving. Yes. What are you going to see? Uh, me and John are going to go watch uh, Tim and Eric with uh, Dr. Stephen Brule. Nice. Okay, so where can we find you on the internet this uh, week? Justin underscore Sear at Twitter. Again. <laughs> <laughs> at Twitter. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Stefan, where can we find you on the internet? Nowhere? Yeah. You have you leave no digital print? Yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. It's just too complicated. Carl, where can we find your work on the internet? Uh, you can find everything at Carl Kershaw on Twitter, Tumblr, it's all, all the same. See, that's the proper way to say it. Yeah. Not, not at Twitter. It's <laughs> at, at your name on Twitter. Exactly. And soon uh, on, on the stands. And soon on the stands, yeah. yeah. Gotham Academy comes out October 1st. Oh. So excited. Issue 1, yeah. Dom, where can we find you on the internet this uh, week? At Dom2D on Twitter. And if you want to check out Close Castles, it's at closecastles.com. Awesome. Uh, you can find me at Yannick Belzil. You can find Tribute Games at Tribute Games or on TributeGames.com. Tribute Games, Tribute Games, Tribute Games. games. <laughs> Just type in Tribute Games and you'll find us. You'll find this podcast. You'll find our games. Uh, our games that are currently to be... Our, Currently available, we have Wizard, which is a fun block breaker game, and there's Mercenary Kings, which is a fun run and gun platforming game with crafting elements. So please check that out. Uh, thanks for listening this week, guys. Thanks for being here, and uh, you. you will hear us talk uh, in the next week. So thanks and bye. Cue wow. awesome uh, more Mario music. Yay! <laughs>